last time on Either Or. And they paid Connery, what, $4 million to come back and do one more? Oh, and he, he looked great. He gained weight. He lost hair. <laughs> he had a terrible hairpiece. He went to Vegas and drove a Mustang, and it was amazing. <laughs> Welcome to another episode of the Either Or Podcast. My name is Steve Baldwin, and always joining me, my good friend Chris Evans. Thanks, Steve. I am back from my encounter with Greg I am shaken, but not stirred, but ready to go at it again. You made it through. That was a fun one. I enjoyed that. If you haven't listened to our last show, go back and look at uh, the Bond episode, Connery versus Craig. Who do you just, think won that one? Uh, Connery. Oh, you think so? Yes. Yeah, I don't know. Connery. A lot of people Sean voting for Connery. Craig. And by the way, you can still go vote. Go into the, sh- the show notes of the Connery versus Craig episode. Click on the link there and you can vote for your favorite, Connery or Craig. Connery, right? That's rubbish. (laughs) (laughs) All right. We've got a fun topic for this week's episode. We are doing Harry Potter versus Lord of the Rings. This is a big one. We've got Tolkien's Lord of the Rings, Chris, arguably the gold standard of fantasy novels since it was published in the mid-1950s. In fact, one could argue that every fantasy novel published since then owes Tolkien everything. One will argue that, but I agree with you, Steve. All right. On the other hand, J.K. Rowling's Harry Potter series has been translated into nearly 70 languages, spawned a new series of books and movies and even theme parks. I don't think there's a Lord of the Rings theme park anywhere. I'm just saying. Just saying. It's clearly the most popular fantasy series in the modern era. They are vastly different and yet so similar. We cannot sit idly by and let them peacefully coexist. We have to determine which is better, Chris. (laughs) Harry Potter versus Lord of the Rings. And to help us do that tonight, we've got a very special guest. Yes, your secret weapon. Yeah, (laughs) she is. She's your secret weapon, too. That's the thing. Pretty much my niece. (laughs) Uh, and your daughter, yes, Isabel Evans. Isabel, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. I'm so glad to be here. We're yes. thrilled to have you on the show. I can't believe you're sitting next to me. We're recording a podcast together. <laughs> this is weird. You're all grown up and everything. Isabel, among the family and friends uh, that we share mutually, it's it's well known that you are a Harry Potter aficionado. I am. I'm currently wearing my It's Leviosa, not Leviosa shirt, of course, in honor. I wore Hermione 2020 on Tuesday, or I would be wearing that one today, too. I'm wearing the same shirt, too, Steve, just to... I'd vote for her. Me, too. So, why are you such a Harry Potter fan? Why? uh, I I want to establish your credibility as a a Harry Harry Potter expert. Why are you such a fan? Of course. Um, So, partially as a result of my parents... um, Books, both Harry Potter and Lord of the Rings, have been something that I've really, I've grown up with and have really established who I am as a person. Um, mm. Even before I was born, when I was in the womb, my parents read me both Harry Potter and Lord of the Rings. The, the Harry Potter books were first coming out. The the, the first two were out when I before I was born, and then um, that process was again repeated when I was in elementary school. And so I was read every night before bed Harry Potter and Lord of the Rings. I mean, it's, it's an audiobook to the extreme. It's the best experience. <laughs> um, yeah. And um, I think as a result of that, um, that experience, both bonding with my parents and with books and the magic of storytelling, um, with both of those series really enabled me um, to become the person who I am. Um, Harry Potter in particular stood out. I Harry Potter is what made me a reader. I am currently an English major and environmental science or mm. environmental analysis double major, um, partially as a result of Harry Potter. Mm-hmm. Um, 
really Harry Potter enabled me and emboldened me with a power um, that change is, is possible and that um, being different is is not only um, an opportunity but a privilege and um, that really really spoke to me and it enabled me um, to to, to become an English major with pride and to be a proud book nerd, and uh, I'm I'm so excited that um, that I get to discuss this wonderful book series that had such a profound impact on on who I've become. And ironically nerds. enough, Steve, she was born with a lightning bolt in her head, so it was destined to be. Uh, and all the bushy hair, I've currently got Harry Potter glasses. Yeah, that still. was a sharpie that you used to draw that uh, that lightning bolt. Wasn't it? It, it was permanent, at least. <laughs> Well, it's clearly part of the fabric of your life, and we've talked a little bit about that. Star Wars, for me, in my generation, really sort of brought me into this world and helped me establish who I am. So I can totally relate to being so connected to um, to a creation like, like uh, the Harry Potter series, and that, that's wonderful. Thank you for sharing that. So, Chris, you're going to be defending Lord of the Rings tonight. So why are you a Lord of the Rings fan, Chris? Well, I'm also a Harry Potter fan, and I have to say that. you, you Again, <laughs> as, as Isabel says, uh, I've always shared books from before she was born. I love books. Harry Potter captivated me beyond belief. But Lord of the Rings. I was a, a 10-year-old boy in rural Mississippi, and I had read The Hobbit. And um, my fifth grade teacher said, we're going to read Lord of the Rings as a class. And the Hermione-esque character I was then, I knew I had to get ahead. And I read all of Lord of the Rings twice before the class did it, and I knew all the right answers. And I was captivated. I was just absolutely enthralled. It took me away from what I saw as a fairly uh, Shire-like existence to a world of magic. <laughs> and, 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 and it's really the book that made me start to read and just pick up book after book on the shelf and eventually decide that's my career. Wow. So yeah. it really launched you into what has become a 30-year yes. career of teaching. Yes. Now as a teacher, I, I screamed at students, you <laughs> shall not pass. <laughs> All right. It's Harry Potter. It's Lord of the Rings. Guys, let's jump into this right now. Here we go. The stage is set. The curtain rises. We are ready to begin. Now you want to get nuts? Come on. Let's get nuts. Okay, you two punks. I want a good, clean fight. I'm listening. I'm invincible. You're a loony. Tell me something, my friend. You ever dance with the devil in the pale moonlight? You talking to me? Slow ahead. I can go slow ahead. Come on down and chump some of this shit. Is it safe? All right. Okay, guys, you guys know how this works. Isabel, you will start. You've got two minutes for your opening statement, followed by Chris. You'll have two minutes. You will have a dialogue for as long as it feels good, and then we'll close it out. And we'll let the listeners decide who is better, Harry Potter or Lord of the Rings. So we're going to start with you, Isabel. I've got some music to back you up for your opening statement. you got two minutes, and um, you're up. As I think both of our opening statements illuminated, part of why we love literature in general and these texts, Harry Potter and Lord of the Rings more specifically, is because of their ability to speak across otherwise impenetrable boundaries of time, genre, and situation, to express fundamental truths about the human condition, to cultivate empathy in drawing upon our ability to see ourselves reflected in characters otherwise disparate from us. And I think both of these book series are a perfect example of that. Uh, in fact, I wrote my college essay, which got me into my own Hogwarts, um, mm. and I included both Harry Potter and Lord of the Rings as uh, books which really were foundational to, to my experience and my ability to have both empathy and imagination. 
Um, however, when forced to compare the two texts, I believe that their ability to reach across distances uh, and to map um, the experiences of characters and situations onto um, multiple people of diverse backgrounds um, is really what differentiates the two. And I think that the ability of one series to speak um, more broadly to more people is what makes it better, ultimately. And I think mm. Harry Potter has this advantage, certainly. Um, so, while there are certainly both problems with representation and diversity in both books, as some recent discussions have illuminated, I think that Harry Potter ultimately um, uh, provides opportunities for a broader number of people and allows us to see ourselves reflected in Harry and Ron and Hermione and Neville, um, Professor McGonagall and Dumbledore. Um, and I think part of that is the absence of women in Lord of the Rings. Out of a survey of all of the characters in all of J.R.R. Tolkien's um, works, both those published during his life and posthumously, only 19% are women. Uh, in Lord of the Rings, there are four female characters who are even simultaneously, or somewhat, somewhat named. Um, you've got, uh, one of them is uh, Sam's wife, Rosie, who he haphazardly throws off at the end. And to me, as a young woman, <laughs> listening to the story and reading it again, um, that was really frustrating. How come I could not participate within this adventure? And I think Harry Potter provided that uh, inspiration to me as a young woman and th with those role models that I was part of the main narrative and I had the intelligence and the bravery and the strength um, to participate in that journey. Um, certainly there are other issues with representation, other strengths with representation in each of them. I think racial representation is definitely something that both of them uh, have some problems with. Um, for example, that if you look at all the times that people of color speak in the Harry Potter movies, it's about six minutes. Um, and Lord of the Rings, uh, you could argue that each of the different um, races or species are a different race, but saying different races are different species, that's really problematic kind of view. And so I think that if we can, we can re recognize those feelings in something that we love, um, and I think it's important to do that um, while recognizing that we still love them. Um, but I think that because they both kind of share that that similar similar failing um, in terms of representation, we can put that to the side. And I think that because um, they both have that similar experience with uh, in terms of, of representation of diversity in terms of race, um, but the, the disparity in gender is is uh, is pretty evident between the two. And um, I think the purpose of the literature is to include and not to alienate. And th these both books, even despite these strengths or failings in representation, appeal because they are about a band of stragglers, about a band of people who are different, those who are not taken seriously by mainstream society, which is why I think both my dad and I have been really drawn to them. Um, but how can a band made completely by white men symbolize the experience of us all? <laughs> well said. Well said. All right, Chris. S Steve, it's like she hit me with a confundish charmer. <laughs> what would it be there? <laughs> Reducto. Although you're not made of metal, I don't think. <laughs> all right, Chris, you're up. Opening statement. Uh, okay, Steve. Wow, I'm still uh, surprised and you know, that's where tuition dollars is going to, to beat up on her dad. <laughs> Show some mercy. Okay, I'll start now. Steve. In a hole in the ground, there lived a hobbit. Not a nasty, dirty, wet hole filled with ends of worms and an oozy smell. Nor yet a dry, bare, sandy hole with nothing in it to sit down on or to eat. It was a hobbit hole. And that means comfort. It had a perfectly round door like a porthole painted green with a shiny yellow brass knob in the exact middle. I'll start with that. That is the brilliant opening of the 1937 classic, The Hobbit. 11-year-old Chris was mesmerized by that. 50-year-old Chris still just as mesmerized by that. 
dwarves, elves, Gollum, Gandalf, Middle-earth, the ring. I just soaked it all in. But that book did more than just sell 100 million copies. It paved the way as the best example of high fantasy. It was the Lord of the Rings that came next in 1954. It's a masterpiece. It absolutely started the fantasy revolution. The nerd rebellion began that day. I embrace it as nerd. By opening that little round hobbit door in the Shire, Tolkien created pathways for everything that followed. Steve, without Tolkien, we don't have your beloved Star Wars. Without Tolkien, we don't have Game of Thrones. Without Tolkien, we don't have Dungeons and Dragons. This is for Lisa. We don't have oversex glittery vampires either. Who also plays Cedric Diggory. We don't have teenagers competing in brutal societal games of death. And Isabel, I hate to tell you this, we don't have Wingardium Leviosa wielding, wielding scarf-wearing teenage wizards traipsing about Hogwarts. Tolkien provided that magical ring of storytelling, that hobbit hole that opened in that doorway. It opened up the entire world of geekdom. So guys, let your geek flag fly high. Mm. Tolkien allowed us to get there. Long live the nerd. All right. Well done. We've got, I don't know, we've got book nerds. We've got all kinds of nerds flying around this studio tonight. (laughs) (laughs) Nerds, 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 nerds. (laughs) All right, Isabel. So uh, I'm a public health nerd. And one of the things we focus on in public health is is equity. And, And you talked a lot about equity in your opening statement. Why is equity so important uh, in the Harry Potter universe? So I think that um, that getting your letter to Hogwarts, which I got when I was 11. Thank you, Dad. Thank you. Thank you, Mom, also, who's not here. But thank you for both of you. But I think that that, that ability to be recognized. So wait, that... can we pause for a second? Did yes. you write her an entrance letter to Hogwarts when she was 11? Albus Dumbledore wrote that letter. Okay, just, just checking. <laughs> and greeting too. It's it was, it was accurate <laughs> on my eleventh birthday. Um, that really made my childhood very special. <laughs> um, <laughs> well done, well done, Dad. So I think that just the concept of Hogwarts is really founded on equality, uh, on embracing on embracing difference. Um, each of the houses. Um, while they're working together under this common uh, umbrella of Hogwarts, I think each house really, um, the fact that Gryffindor is for the, the, for the brave of heart, Ravenclaw, whoop, whoop, um, for, the, for the, those who have a wit and are odd and, and quirky, uh, Hufflepuff for the kind and loyal, uh, Slytherin for the, for the cunning and ambitious and um, determined. And I think that um, even in terms of the qualities represented by each house, um, I think that Hogwarts is really about embracing your own strengths and embracing the strengths of your peers uh, and and your teachers as well. And I think that by offering that sense of diversity and difference, people coming from Muggleborn, Hermione, and Dean Thomas, people from like the Weasleys or the Malfoys who've been in a wizarding family for a generation, and uh, even though they are in different houses at Hogwarts, even though they came from different families with different levels of pure half uh, Muggle-born blood. Um, I think that Hogwarts really affords everyone the opportunity um, to be equal and to share that 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 wizarding and witch experience um, together. And I think that really speaks to the power of 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 just diversity and in- inclusion that that 
that this ideal kind of world where we are all recognized and all valuable um, because of not despite what mm. divides us. Chris, is, is Lord of the Rings, given this frame of equity, is Lord of the Rings relevant? I think it's in very today's relevant. literary, uh, through the lens of, of young people today? I, I would disagree with, with Isabel's assessment that it's not. I mean, victory is only achieved against the, 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 you know, the great Dark Lord Sauron by peoples of the world uniting. So you have dwarves who are, you know, delvers into caves. They've been cast about. They don't have any place to go. I mean, that sounds very familiar to what Tolkien had just lived. Elves are, are the exact opposite. And, and the world of the men and the world of the halfling. And then you throw in Ents and you know Tom Bombadils of the world. So I think it's very inclusive in terms of it combines all of these forces together. It takes all of that to be victorious with whatever you are opposed by that you know is the sort of dark force in, in your world. So I, I think it's actually much more inclusive yes it it seems to to to, to, to lack in, in female characters i would like to see that certainly uh changed i guess the movies did that in a terrible fashion yes, with terrible. kate from lost uh but uh what was but so terrible it, about the movie isabel oh, okay. oh. oh, oh are we talking okay so the <laughs> hobbit the female the character. Hobbit. So, so in our head canon the hobbit yeah. doesn't exist is that correct yes yeah. um, in, in film in film, film. In the, the book the is the book third. is the book is amazing yes. the book is genius yes yeah um, okay, so the the Hobbit does not exist in your head in, in headcanon for film, yes. Okay, okay. Uh, but but I, I think that in some ways, you know, it, when when you read a book and it has a physical description, Isabel and I were talking about this. Like, there's really not much physical description of Hermione in Lord of, in in Harry Potter. Uh, it talks about her bushy hair. It talks about her teeth, right? But she could be whatever you want her to be. And, and it, we were talking about the, the stage production uh, of Harry Potter and the Cursed Child. And, and in fact, they played it with, with a, a, a dark-skinned African actress, right? Isn't that correct? To sort of change everything as well, too. And I, and I think that Lord of the Rings has that same possibility. I think the, the tropes are there to have a wide experience to the best that Tolkien at that time could present. So I, I think it's more inclusive than we give it credit for. But yes, lacking in women... Um, and, and strong female characters. There are strong female characters there. Uh, Lady Arwen kills the, the 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 chief Nazgul. I mean, so there there are key roles. Uh, Lady Gedladriel is is the most powerful of Ewan, three, not right? Arwen. Uh, yeah. So Arwen, yes, yeah, yeah, she <laughs> she just gets married. You're right. Yes, exactly. Uh, so, but Gedladriel is one of the three possessors of you know the the powerful elven ring. So she has power. She's like Mother Nature. So so I do think. Um, there are limitations to what was created, mm. but also when looked at from today, you know, th this isn't Uncle Tom's cabin, right? It's th there, there's a beauty to what it tries to pull off um, and, and I think still does successfully today. Mm. I certainly don't mean to negate the importance of Lord of the Rings today, and I by no means wanted to erase it from what we should be reading. I think it is important to read. Um, I have read Uncle Tom's Cabin. I took a class last semester, and I read Uncle Tom's Cabin, and I'm really glad that I did. It was incredibly racist and paternalistic and had a lot of really grievous uh, problems, but it was really important for American history and, um, and for um, the eventual abolition of slavery. And I think that... Um, well, not to the same extent that Uncle Tom's Cabin in terms of its uh, racist and paternalistic and sexist implications. I think that when we are going back and we are looking at um, text, we do need to read it within the lens of when it was written. But I think we also need to leave room for those critiques. Uh, and uh, and I think that 
going off of what you said about um, the, the female characters that were present, um, yes, I think that, that Galadriel and Ewan in particular are really um, emblematic of a strong strong female character, but if there are, are three, three real named female characters who even participate in the action and one of them is there simply for romantic interest, that's not good representation. Representation, I don't think, is just... The, the fact that there are characters there like three women is not that's not you can't project the entire experience of all 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 female people based upon the the traits of three women that's that's stereotyping stereotyping and um and laying on to um onto onto people the the traits of just very few and i think that good representation is not one one strong female role model i think it's just the inclusion of women in all spheres why aren't there any women in the party and i think that that while we need to you know taking that into consideration that doesn't negate the importance of lord of the rings and um as i said i, I it was a very important in my childhood but that is definitely something that i think retracts from its ability to impact and especially impact um 51 percent of the population all right, Isabel, does the hero's journey aspect of Harry Potter, does that exist without Lord of the Rings having done it first? No. Um, I think that is part of the beauty of looking at both of them together, is that um, they are all building off of this this mon- monomyth of the hero's journey, and I mm-hmm. think that that is the beauty of looking at them together. Uh, and the beauty of Harry Potter coming second. I would never, I, I mean, it couldn't exist without Lord of the Rings. And I don't think, uh, I would want it to exist if it could, if it could miraculously <laughs> exist and we could erase Lord of the Rings. I think that would be a bad decision because I think that part of the value of, of fantasy in particular, but also like just expanding it to like, you know, the Odyssey is following the hero's journey. So is Star Wars, which mm-hmm. I know you love very much. Mm-hmm. And I think that um, by having kind of this wealth of, of works that um, all are expanding upon the trope of the hero's journey um, with with the knowledge that they are not original, mm-hmm. I think that's not the point of the hero's journey. I think it is because this story is so well-loved and that, that we can take comfort in it and love it, even though it is being told multiple, multiple times is the beauty of it, both in the example of Harry Potter and Lord of the Rings, and I think that the fact that they exist together is part of their strength. Mm-hmm. And there's so much to love about them, you know, Stephen Isabel, because again, um, the worlds themselves are, are, are rather amazing. I mean, you know, uh, when Harry Potter first came out, and I told Isabel, I, I picked it up uh, when it first hit paperback in 1998, and I, I walked into a bookstore Borders that doesn't exist anymore, right. and there was a huge display out front, and there were tons of people around. And I, I remember thinking, I have to pick that up, and I just picked up the book and perused it. And I thought, that's a world I want to escape into, and I think that's what Harry Potter and Lord of the Rings both have been so successful at. I mean, you know, when you read the descriptions of, of, of Hogwarts. It's it's enthralling, right? When you read the night bus that's shrinking down and going so fast, or you know the 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 burrow with uh, Ron and the Weasley and the families, it, it does such a beautiful job of describing that. So again, back to that hero's journey. It's the world you place them in. If that works, you have something. And I and I think that Lord of the Rings, you know, did the same for for me as an eleven year old. For me as a fifty year old, I can see that battle in Casa Doom when you know Gandalf is standing there on that bridge fighting that Balrog that is just etched in my brain my, my my imagination took it and ran with it you then see it later on film and I remember thinking 
that's close, but my mind can still do even better than that. And I think that both of the stories created these worlds of just such lush richness of, of, of things that we love, whether it's castles or dark forest or you know giant spiders and both of them really accomplish that in a mm. in a marvelous kind of way and i think that's even more than escapism i think that certainly there is that that appeal of being able to transport you but i think that that is not just transporting you out of your own life but transporting you into your life in in a way i think that by reading and by experiencing these lush details and this world and these mm. characters and and knowing them as your friends and as your home mm-hmm. um i think that allows you to experience more lushly your own experience, your own your own life. Mm. Um, and because I have read these works, that allows me to to see the dining hall at my college and and be so excited because it has the arch ceiling and it looks it looks like Hogwarts and it allows me to be more uh, enthralled with the world that I am living in. And I think that's more than escapism. That's I think I think the line that J.K. Rowling um, that she that she wrote uh, in the words of Dumbledore. If I can find them. Um, of course it's happening inside your head, Harry, but why on earth should that mean that it is not real? Um, mm. And I think it's certainly real, and it's more than escapism. It's it's my life, and it's your life, and, and it, it's really, it's really, it's real. It's there. <laughs> Two points I'll make quick, Steve. Mm-hmm. Um, first, the dining hall of my school does not look like Hogwarts. Um, and, and, and two, uh, earlier in the evening when we were preparing for this, uh, when Isabel just wrote down that quote without the book in front of her, I was a very proud dad. <laughs> is there something to the fact that these are both, the, both of these series started obviously as books and as it have expanded into uh, film and, and um, many other um, media video games. And uh, we were talking about the illustrated books uh, before we started the show. Is there something to the fact that these started as novels that uh, you experienced through the theater of the mind that that brings or enhances the love that you have for the the genre or for these characters? Uh, yes, certainly. I think that um, not even just for me, but just for like the the power of books in general. I think that being I, I read the books first, but I think for a lot of people um, watching the movies. Per- provides a gateway into into reading and then that and then that that experience of reading Harry Potter I read it for the first time by myself when I was in second grade and I remember sitting there reading the first chapter after it had been read to me um, and after I had seen the film the first film um, and and that really was what enabled me to want to read the next book and then the next book and then after I finished Harry Potter to read to read another series something similar and I think that the fact that it is occurring first within the world of, of, of words and language is beautiful because it enables people to experience um, experience a narrative in a way that is sort of timeless. Mm-hmm. Like this is, I'm currently taking a class on John Milton and we share what, <laughs> what we share that same experience of being able to, re- to read and be enthralled, uh, enabled by Harry Potter and Lord of the Rings. Uh, that that John Milton did in the 1600s, mm. that um, Homer did, and way before then, and I think that that kind of universality of human experience is what is really um, transferred by the, the medium of the book. All right, Chris, you have a challenge, you have a problem, you need <laughs> advice from someone. You go to Dumbledore or you go to Gandalf. Well, that's easy. I go to Gandalf. He tells me the truth. Throughout the entire Harry Potter series, Dumbledore keeps key information from, yes, a child, 
but he doesn't tell him who Harry is. He doesn't tell him what he faces. At the end of every term, Harry is left to fight the most powerful wizard on the face of the planet. And he has no guidance whatsoever. Where's Dumbledore? Oh, he's gone. He's playing Bunko tonight. And that bothers me about Dumbledore. I love Dumbledore. Uh, side note very quickly. I saw an interview with uh, Ian McKellen, who plays Gandalf in the, in the films. And he said that every time someone comes up to him to have an autograph signed, they say, Dumbledore, will you sign this for me? And he said he's just now signs Michael Gambon's name. He doesn't even, you know, question. <laughs> but, but but back to that, you know, Gandalf is, as a wizard, first, I think is, is far more powerful. And in fact, he's almost like an archangel. He's been sent there. He can't die. You know, he, he's been sent there to, de- to defeat evil. So I think he's... he's a more powerful character to begin with. Dumbledore is just a a man who's lived a long time. But Gandalf tells the truth. He tells Frodo, you you possess the most powerful thing, the most disastrously evil thing on the face of the planet, and I'm going to ask you to do something horrific. You have to destroy it. And he's honest. He has a full counsel. He's he's devastated when, when Frodo has to do that. He knows the pain it'll cause. So so that's my biggest problem. I love Dumbledore. Dumbledore's a great character. I would love to go out and, you know, ha- have a butter beer with him. But but he's not honest with his students. He's not honest. And I know he loves Harry. And at the very end, I love the fact that, spoiler alert, by the way, guys, uh, spoilers today in, in this show, uh, uh, you know, he, he's berated by Snape. Who says to him, you didn't love him enough to, to tell him the truth, like you sent him out to die. And that's where I struggle with Dumbledore. Yeah, I think that's a really, really valid point. And I think that especially in today's day and age, um, that honesty is important, that truth is important, that facts are facts. And, <laughs> and I think that, that that you make a really good point. And I can't I can't I can't concede that that's not problematic. Um and I think your point about Gandalf being a more powerful wizard, um, fighting the Balrog, that certainly, um, coming back from the dead, Dumbledore, spoiler alert again, <laughs> Dumbledore, Dumbledore dies and Gandalf does not. Gandalf returns. Uh, and I think that, that that speaks to his power as a wizard. But I think if you're thinking about this as a, as a hero's journey, um, Gandalf is not our hero. Gandalf is not the one who we are are, are waiting to dis- to destroy the ring and and who we are are empathizing with so greatly. And neither is Dumbledore. And I think that because Dumbledore provides the opportunities more um, more greatly for Harry, because he he allows Harry to experience um, his 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 encounters with uh, Voldemort on his own and to 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 get into trouble. He gives him the invisibility cloak. I think that allows us to empathize with Harry more as a hero and allows for Harry to himself become the hero, even though he is a child. And I think Gandalf certainly does the same thing. Um, Invisibility cloak, invisibility ring. They sound a little similar to me there, Steve. I don't know. But they enhance each other. So so I'll throw this question out to both of you. There are so many great characters in in both these series. Uh, Of course, we have the main characters, uh, Harry, Ron, Hermione, Bilbo, Sam. Uh, what are some of the other characters that you love and, and why are they important to you? Well, I think um, Hermione is, has always been someone who I've heavily identified with. I always say I'm about 85% Hermione uh, in terms of personality. We are, we are pretty similar. Um, and I think that, that having a unabashedly intelligent, hardworking um, girl and woman as my role model as a child really enabled me to, to know that, that to be smart and to be bookish is a superpower, and so Hermione's a standout for me. Steve, if you look around, if you look around your uh, 
recording studio with all your your Star Wars stuff. Uh, that's Isabel with Hermione. Uh, she has more Hermione yeah. stuff uh, that she's collected that we've given her and everyone's given her through the years. Uh, love I love Hermione too. What, what an amazing character. Uh, the only problem I have with Hermione, the only problem I have with Hermione is her choice in husbands at the end. <laughs> she gets stuck with Ron. Ron's a moron. Ron's How does dumb. Hermione end up I, I with know. Ron? She can, she can marry anyone in that world. And she's stuck with that. He's no different from the kid stuffing his face on the on, on the train with the trolley, and he's got a bit of dirt on his nose. Um, he has a few moments where he, he's a good friend, but he's adult. <laughs> and Hermione deserves so much more than that. And that's why I struggle with, 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 with the end of that character. Uh, she could do so much better. Well, Dad, I think you have the emotional range of a teaspoon to Hermione. Um, never mind. I don't think never let him should... see you cry. <laughs> I don't think the... The, the choice of husband of a woman should define who she is. And I think that that is not a character fault of Hermione, Dad. And your problem is with Ron, not with Hermione. Excellent. Um, and I think that that even though Ron does not necessarily have um, the the sort of bold... Um, he's, he's not he's not Harry who has who has his his selflessness and his just just kind of grit and determination and Hermione, who has her intelligence and also her grit and determination. Ron is sort of a quiet hero, and I think that a lot like Sam, um, while they both have different, they're, they're both different in, in their own ways, I think that that there is a power certainly to that, that quiet, more ordinary um, youngest child. And I think that, that you're not giving Ron enough credit for... <laughs> wouldn't, it, wouldn't it be weird, though, if Hermione married the Prince Charming type? I mean, it's just not her. She's, she's, she doesn't value... Exactly. She doesn't I wonder if I married values. Luna. Exactly. I mean, come on. Let's <laughs> they just... would make a great yeah. pair. I, I really <laughs> think that, that that would definitely enhance The prom it. pictures would have been a lot cuter. Let's just... Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> at prom, you've got a bit of dirt on your nose. You... It's like he oh, walks around with dirt on his nose. All right, so what are, what are some of the characters for Lord of the Rings, Chris, that you want to hit well, on? Well, she mentioned Sam. I mean, mm -hmm. you know, Sam, I think, in, in very way, many ways, is, is, is that character. He starts off as not adult, but he's... He hasn't figured the world out. He just simply follows because he knows it's the right thing to do. And as it goes forward, he becomes Samwise the Brave. I mean, he's one of the few characters that actually holds the ring of power. When Frodo is, you know, is is stricken by a giant spider, it's Sam who takes the ring. It's Sam who moves forward. There's a point in the book where Frodo says, "I never would have made it this far without you, Sam." And and I agree. Those those secondary characters are crucial. And and Ron plays that part. I give him a hard time. I think he's a bad influence on Harry because Harry spends a lot of time not taking his finals and sneaking out and he and Ron are screwing around. Without Hermione they die in book one. They die in book two. They die in book three. Harry doesn't survive and neither without one Hermione. Them, certainly neither one of them graduate. Oh, well, I, I Actually, I don't think they graduate no, they all drop out. Yeah. So, oh, so that's true. That's public, a good point. Yeah. <laughs> uh, even even Hermione, yeah. who who we we could be we could be killed or worse expelled. That's that's her greatest fear that she expresses in book one. And I think mm -hmm. a lot of what you're saying about um, Sam also applies to Neville. And I think that uh, I gave a speech about why Neville is the true Harry uh, true true hero of Harry Potter mm -hmm. when I was in high school. And I think that much like what I said about Ron, um, and I think the strengths you elucidated about Sam are really what I find very powerful is kind of that recognition of the unsung um, 
sort of quieter hero, and I think that that's something that both of these works do well, is through Sam, through Her- through um, through Neville, through Ron, they really celebrate and allow people who may not have the opportunity because of they're slightly quieter in temperament, or they're not this bombastic hero. They're they're a good friend, and they're a loyal, caring person who is willing to stand up to their friends and to stand up for their friends. Um, and I think that's something that we should really celebrate about, about all of these characters. Let me put a question to Steve. Mm. In a death struggle, who wins, Hagrid or Gollum? Well, oh. oh, are you kidding? There's Hagrid. There's no question. Hagrid. Hagrid is like 500 pounds. He squishes Gollum with like you know, doesn't even try. Gollum has survived for centuries. <laughs> he is singularly obsessed with one thing. He, he, he keeps moving forward. He he fights for his precious. He may be skinny and scrawny, but he's pretty tough, Steve. He's a little psycho is what he is. That's what gives him credit. <laughs> that scene where he is speaking in the movie, right? The back and forth. Of, oh, my precious, my oh, Smeagol. Yeah. It's, my it's absolutely brilliant, right? Mm-hmm. You know, and, 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 and wouldn't he outthink Hagrid? I'm not so well. I suppose he probably would. Can he outthink anybody? I mean, he's 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 a little bit psychotic. That little guy. <laughs> you know, he should tackle cats. <laughs> See how that works out. Make <laughs> Twelve a foot tall. Golem. Twelve golem. tall cats. Or Hagrid, who wins? Yeah, you know, one know. of the things I, I mentioned Isabel as well too. I was just curious. <laughs> uh, I, I did want to give again. I love Harry Potter. The ending. I, I was saying that in some ways, J.K. Rowling. I think actually does something that Tolkien's terrified to do, which, you know, the Lord of the Rings, the entire fellowship moves forward and only one of the nine die. He spares all of his characters. At the end of Harry Potter, Rowling is just vicious. She blows up the owl. She kills Fred or George, which one? She, oh my God! She kills Fred. She Fred. maims. She <laughs> she maims George. She kills Tonks. Right? She kills Lupin. Mm. She's just deadly at the end. She's like a thirteen foot cat. And I've always been struck by this giant war to save all of Middle Earth, and no one dies. Right, and that's strange. And so I, I give her credit. I think as her books went along, they got far more sophisticated. And, and I think the the ending, those last three books of Harry Potter, that's are are, are genius. And, and it takes the level of fantasy to just a a very realistic, remarkable use of fantasy. So. Well, you can't say nobody dies. There's an awful lot of like snot covered pig people that that die. <laughs> those are orcs, Steve. <laughs> Sorry, and, and yes, they're stupid. Um, and they do. They're uh, they're you know little fascist. <laughs> All right, guys, we've come to the point of the show where we're doing closing arguments. This was a fast show. We are, we're already, we're already over time. So Isabel, you're up first. Give us your closing argument. Why is Harry Potter superior to the Lord of the Rings? It does not to dwell on dreams and to forget to live. Um, This is a quote from Harry Potter. And I think that this really speaks to the power of Harry Potter in particular to embolden um, children, to embolden young people with the ability to change the world. And I think that this is something especially essential in, um, and again, today's day and age, um, in which young people are running for Congress, young people are voting. I'm voting for the first time tomorrow. I'm so excited. Um, and 
I think that because Harry Potter is so centric around the experiences of young people and around their ability um, to change the world is really the power of this series. Um, Lord of the Rings, Frodo, you could argue, is is young. He's 33 in Hobbit years, doing Bilbo's 111st birthday, um, which is roughly 18 in human years. But he's about 50 in Hobbit years when the actual journey of Lord of the Rings was going on. And that certainly speaks to a certain generation and a generation of young people, but I think that watching a group of, of children grow into adults um, and coming of age and changing the world in the process is really powerful and I think that's what Harry Potter provides and I think that's what's really necessary in today's world um, is to provide a means for our our, our fantasies to become a reality. Um, we are not dreaming when we read Harry Potter and Lord of the Rings and I think Harry Potter emphasizes that we, um, the students of Hogwarts, are going out and making making our making our own world and defi- defeating our Voldemort in, in the process. Well said. Well said. Okay, Chris? <laughs> Closing statement. Simply put, Steve, Isabel, I love both these book series, both these sets of films. I, I would say they are as ingrained with my family as the name Evans. Uh, between the two titles, they've sold over a billion books. Um, that means you have tons of lost little boys in the backwoods of Mississippi devouring the world of story. It means you have thousands of little girls dressed up in robes at midnight in a bookstore waiting for the book to be released. It means you have working adults, homestay moms, encouraged teachers, first-time readers holding 700-page books in their hands, and they're you know they just can't wait to read the next page. They're not focused on their cell phones or their Instagram. But I would say uh, of the two titles, The Lord of the Rings, it has more gravitas to it. It it allows us to, to, to transcend and go further, and I think it, it lets us view our reality and life itself a little closer uh than harry potter um lord of the rings it 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 tackles the the topic of authoritarian regimes fascism military domination tolkien knew that he fought in world war ii he had just witnessed or world war one he had just witnessed world war ii um he had seen the holocaust He, he he knew what it faced so he wrote a book about it uh the union of elves men's dwarves hobbits all that's good in middle earth joining together to 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 fight racism and intolerance that's what lord of the rings was doing um the destruction of all the green spaces in our world uh, all the good places you know it's in symbol both Lorien, mirkwood the shire that's what we're facing today that's you know global climate change that's the environment and i think lord of the rings lets us face that a bit more and I would say even what I was struck by at the very end, I was reading the final part of the book, and it's when Bilbo and, and Frodo go off into the into the, to the Grey Havens, and it's clearly like their version of, of death or heaven, whatever's there. And um, when I read that as a kid, that part didn't resonate with me. I was too young to get it, but rereading it, it, it almost brought tears to my eyes of, you know, as we age and see our mortality, it lets us, you know, step a foot into that world and you know i think that's what lord of the rings offers to so many readers readers then and now and you know i'll I'll just end with a quote from from gandalf uh we're we're doing quotes here you know frodo says i wish this did not have to happen in my lifetime and gandalf responds so do i and so do all who live to see such times but that is not for them to decide all we have to decide is what to do with the time that we were given that's what we do today. Just as Isabel said, I, I think that, you know, use our time wisely, make a difference, read a book, read a thousand books, get involved in issues, take action, change the world. And I think that's what books allow us to do. That's what Lord of the Rings allows us to do. And that's what Harry Potter does. And I love you, Isabel. This is a lot of fun. I love you too. Thank you.
It is not our abilities that show what we truly are. It is our choices. Cake or death? That's a pretty easy question. Anyone can answer that. Cake or death? Uh, cake, please. There can be only one. You don't choose the things you believe in. They choose you. The hardest choices require the strongest will. For the love of God, shut your mouth. Okay, listeners. It's time to vote. Cast your vote for Harry Potter or Lord of the Rings. Now, all you need to do is click on the link in the episode notes in your podcast app for this episode. You can also find the link on our Facebook page, our Twitter, at Either Or Show. We're also on Instagram at the same handle. That's at Either Or Show. We're counting on you to help us decide which is better. For Chris Evans and Isabel Evans, I'm Steve Baldwin reminding you. You must choose. Choose wisely.